It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back for another edition of the Bad Podcast, the Ohio State coverage team for Cleveland.com. You can find us at Cleveland.com slash OSU for the best Ohio State football coverage anywhere and basketball too. How's basketball going, Bill? Five and five and playing Kentucky. Well, well I guess they played Kentucky before or after we recorded this. this. We recorded this before they beat Kentucky, so yeah. it's been a couple <laughs> days since their big win that yeah. changed their season around. Um, I'm Doug Maurice here with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman, and we're getting ready for the Fiesta Bowl. And Bill, what excites you most about the Fiesta Bowl between Ohio State and Notre Dame at 1 p.m. Eastern on New Year's Day? That's terrifying, by the way. I'm sorry. 11 Mountain. It's 11 Mountain time. 11 a.m. the night after I'm raging till 5 a.m.? Come on, it's New Year's. Doug, me, you, Landis? No, me and Landis are going to go out and have a party and you're going to pick us up. You you <laughs> are. I know. You're going to be showing up at the press box. You'll be like, I can write. <laughs> I, I'll take the first quarter. I can, I can do the updates. Doug did pick me up from New Year's at the Orange Bowl two years ago. I am the father of the beat. <laughs> that won't happen. Like last year we were in New Orleans for New Year's Eve. And, like, I have the opportunity to be awake for two midnights. Midnight on the East Coast and midnight Central Time, and I missed them both because I was asleep. <laughs> By, like, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So I won't be so Landis, with Landis will be passed out. We'll, we'll, eat, like, we'll eat, like, a big, like, Tex-Mex dinner at, like, yeah. 6 p.m. And then just be crashed in the room. Yeah, I'm going to miss three midnights yeah. this year. Okay, what, what's about? the thing? What's, what, is, what are you fired up about? Do you want my funny answer or my honest answer? Funny, always funny. Sleeping at Ari's house for two nights, <laughs> flying into Phoenix on Christmas night, and crashing with the Wassermans. Do you think that Ari's childhood bedroom remains a shrine to Ari in no, his parents' house? I think it's a shrine. Who was a popular rapper back when Ari was? LL Cool J? LL Cool J, maybe? <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Ari's bedroom is No, Vanilla Ice is my era. <laughs> Ari was in the bathroom. We're talking about your bedroom. I went to the bathroom because I had a contact problem. Uh, but I was listening to the whole thing. My bedroom is a shrine to... I'm not going to tell you. That would ruin the surprise. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, the reason I'm asking this question is because... Um, I don't know. We are not employed by Ohio State, so it's not our responsibility to do anything. Like I don't, I don't know what you would be excited about. Like I'm much more interested in in looking at the Fiesta Bowl in terms of like what it may tell us about Ohio State 2016, yeah. than what it tells us about 2015, or what it tells us about Ohio State's place in the world, or what it tells us about the Ohio State Notre Dame rivalry that isn't a rivalry. Because they haven't played in 10 years and they've only played five times in their existence or whatever it is, something like that. Um, we know. We know. Ohio State won the national championship last year. Ohio State has the most individual talent in college football this year. 
Ohio State will have the most first-round draft picks, probably, in the draft. I said pricks instead of picks. I know I'm, <laughs> First round draft. I'm the D. Um, we know that. What we know about Ohio State is that they are a supremely talented football team that blew it. And, and, and what else is there to say? What happens against Notre Dame doesn't change that. They had their chance. They didn't get there. That's fine. Oregon didn't get back there. Florida State didn't get back there. Alabama lost and still got back to the playoff. Stuff happens. I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm not blaming it. It's just the reality. They blew their chance to get to where they wanted to get. They had the highest expectations in college football. They fell short of them. I have no idea how the Fiesta Bowl impacts that at all one way or the other. Do we still? We've tried to record this conversation through video several times, and our technology has failed us. So now we're talking about it, and I guess a different conversation now. Are we still on the? This is good for not program longevity, but projecting forward the Ohio State football. I feel like that's sort of lost its luster for me too. It's like Ohio State's playing Notre Dame, and it's important for Ohio State to look good. But like all the guys who are playing in this game are going to be gone next year anyway. So I'm not even sure how important it is now anymore that. In terms of sustaining a program, if the program is going to sustain itself, it's like no matter what happens in this game, Ohio State is going to have the same challenges once spring football starts. Because the people who are going to make them win or lose are people who aren't going to be here next year, right? Yeah. Like I feel like it's important, and we are going to write sort of many things about how this game may affect next year. I didn't mean it in but, terms. I, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it in terms of like like obviously there are people on this team who are important for next year. I just meant it as like if Ohio State loses, it's like the downfall of the Ohio State football program. The dynasty is over. Like the, we yeah. wrote the team, the team. Honestly, is going to be reborn in a new way, and the way that it's reborn is not going to be impacted by whether they win or lose this game. I'm not saying it's not important at all. I'm just saying that like, when they spring forward, the players on the bench who didn't lose the game are going to be the ones playing. Right. And, but, and you're saying, are you saying more, Bill, like their status in the world yeah, like, is well, not affected? Like, they, they don't really have anything to prove because what more can you do than prove it against Alabama and Oregon last here's year? Here's what's going to happen. Win or lose next year, Ohio State's going to be a top 10 team in the initial rankings. And that's like Winning this game means they're like number like four, and losing this game might mean they're like number eight or nine. And if that's a huge difference to you, then you're a crazy person. Because they do have an out, because their out is, if they lose, then everyone will just say that they didn't care. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that... Whether that's true or not, I mean, they could, who, they could really care and still lose to Notre Dame because Notre Dame's a good team. Yeah. And because they're a very good team that had cared, that's cared the whole year and beat Northern Illinois by seven. So, right? That's when they cared. They, do you think they cared? They, they cared a lot then, and they almost lost Indiana. So they've proven they're not perfect. So, but if they lose, they have an out. And if they win, I don't, like, is it almost, what if they do to Notre Dame what they did to Michigan? It Will makes, not I the number one the take and be like, oh, my gosh, they are the best team in the country. They really blew it. I think that that is already the case. I, I don't know. I think, my personal opinion, just I think that they are the most talented team in the country. I think when you have the most draft picks that are going in the first round, you're the best team. Uh, maybe I'm simplifying it a little bit, but I do think that messing around with the quarterbacks and lollygagging around. You know around, the most first round picks last year? Who? Washington. 
Wow. Boom! Out. That's it for the bad podcast. That's Bill Landis. I'll be right back. I gotta go to the Here's the thing. Really? How many was it, though? Was it like one or two? Nine. I think it was two or three. No, they had 17 first round picks last year, and they. Because, like, this is a little bit different, though. Come on. Three or seven or eight. But here's where I would parse. I don't know if disagree, but parse what you just said. You just, I feel like, used the words best and most talented interchangeably. Or you said they had the they had the best players, players they're the best team. I think they have the best players, and they are not the best team. But then when you segue into the next point that I made is I think they messed around with the quarterbacks, and I think that was a major reason why they weren't ultimately the best team. But I also feel like the line took a while to play as well as they could play. I feel like the receivers weren't game changers across the board as much as they could be. I feel as good as the defense has been, and I'm going to write about how good this defense was this year. A couple key moments here and there, they did give up play big plays, and then the play calling that we can't get away from. It's we, all part of the package. But we're, we're talking about a team that lost a game by three in the last second, and that's the only reason why they don't have a chance to make it better. No, I, and I agree with that. So, like, but I also they agree. were a little bit better at quarterback. But, but I also wrote that if they had been dominant for the first ten games, they would have bought themselves much more wiggle room than mm-hmm. they did by almost losing to Indiana, not looking good in the non-conference, having multiple games where they did not look like the best team in the country. The, the conversation that we're having is whether or not it already is down the drain. Right? Isn't that what we were saying? And I think, I guess the point I was making is I almost feel like if they look, if they do to Notre Dame what they did to Michigan, it will make it worse. If they actually, they have the best players, they have the most talent. If they, went out if they look in the Fiesta Bowl like the best team as well, this is a Notre Dame team that almost beat Clemson, that almost beat Stanford. That's the number one team in the country and the number six team in the country. Okay, mm-hmm. if they blow the doors off Notre Dame, Ohio State fan, I think Ohio State fans are going to turn off that TV and be sick to their stomachs. I like that the, the drop back, you know. Yeah, it's like, out. It's like his mic drop. I'm going to write that. I'm going to. I'm picking up this mic. <laughs> it's almost like the best case it. scenario for Ohio State fans is to win twenty-one to fourteen. <laughs> I don't know. I think they'll be pretty happy with blowing the doors off Notre Dame. Yeah. I know it's like. No, it validates all of their frustrations that they've had this year, but it also, I mean, it will feel pretty good. To end, to end the, the best possible way for them to end the season is to win thoroughly against Notre Dame, and that's going to feel better than beating Notre Dame 21-14 or losing to Notre Dame in any fashion. So, I mean, the second that the game hits zeros, it's next year. It's kind of already next year. But it, is no, kind yeah, of, yeah. But it is almost next year. Urban Meyer like, asked a lot of questions about next year. The only reason why they were, yeah, like the the Fiesta Bowls, like we're going to the Fiesta Bowl so we can report on who's coming back next year. Like, it, it, to me, when you have as many good players on your team as you do, and you are coming off of a national championship, to not be a part of the top four is kind of a travesty. And I think that they weren't that far off from being able to make everything all better. If they would have beat Michigan State, they might be number four right now, but they would still have a chance to turn it around. Just for them not to be in the playoff in general, I feel like, from an interest standpoint, it was probably one of the biggest letdowns in Ohio State history. Maybe even as much as, what, 97 when they lost to Michigan State that time. So, um, I don't know if that's a dramatic thing, 
to say, but I think it's a reality. Does the AP still do the postseason poll? Yes. I have to get my ballot in right after the Are you hoping for an AP game. national title? Are you envisioning a scenario where Ohio State like really, really, really beats Notre Dame? 52-3. to three. And like the playoffs are two sloppy games and the championship is sloppy and Ohio State's number one on the AP poll and it doesn't And it's like the AP's way of making itself relevant again. They'll be number one on this ballot, baby. <laughs> people no, they won't. They're not in... Okay, I was just saying. No. People didn't know you were joking. I know. Make sure. I know. <laughs> I like it. I still say sometimes. I feel like half the people think uh, I'm a homer and half the people think I hate Ohio State. Which just means you're just perfect. Which is, yeah, which is I'm hitting that drive right down the middle. Yeah. It's going like 140 yards, but it's in the fairway. Yeah. Um, Everybody thinks I'm a slob. So. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, this season will be about regret. You know, no matter what I think, and, and it's one of those things again. It's going to change the story a little bit, but if Alabama rolls Michigan State. I feel like Ohio State fans are going to be like, I can't believe we lost to that team. Yeah. If Michigan State wins the national championship, I feel like Ohio State fans are going to be like, oh my God, we should have, they won the national championship? If it wasn't raining and we had better play calling, we would have beaten them. We'd be the, like, yeah. I feel like almost like no matter what happens, that you do have the team that beat Ohio State is in the playoff. And Ohio State does have a very good opponent. To play on the field, but you're going to be able to twist it any way you want into regret. I was wrong. It's 98. Sorry. The Michigan State game's 98. No, not 98. Yeah, I should have corrected you on that. I knew that. Okay, sorry. But I also want to say that Ohio State turned around and beat two ranked teams that year out of the final three games they played. Uh, including a 31-16 win over Michigan in a time where wins over Michigan were hard. Uh, and then they beat number 8 Texas A&M in the Sugar Bowl that year, which, talk about regret, that is a season, that is the ultimate Ohio State season of regret. But, like, they had very similar talent, right? And I don't. But know when you talk that. about 1998, does anybody care that they beat Texas A&M in the bowl game? No, no one even knows that they did. Right. So, and that's kind of the point of why... No matter what happens, 1998, they lost to Michigan State, and they had, it was 98, probably the most talented team in the history of the program. I mean, that's the crazy receivers, like, you know, so um, you, yeah. if you go back and you look, I mean, like, um, this year is going to rival that talent, probably. If maybe in 10 years you'll look back at 90, uh, 2015 and say, holy crap, Ohio State had the most talented team in the history of their program in 2015 that didn't win it. Um, but nobody, did you even know off the top of your head? I, I did not. I so, um, I actually, I, I, I did not know that at all. So, um, just the idea that things went perfectly the way they should have that year after they lost to Michigan State and it still wasn't enough. That's the only thing I remember 98 for. Do you and Bill, you weren't on the beat yet, but maybe you paid attention, but Ari, we were there. When Ohio State went undefeated in the regular season in 2013 and lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, did you feel like it mattered that Ohio State then lost to Clemson in the it Orange Bowl. Would anything have been different if they had beaten Clemson in the Orange Bowl? It didn't. And, and the thing that's interesting is that like that isn't a season that I remember people feeling regret over. Because when they lost to Michigan State, you had the feeling that they weren't the best team in the country. I feel like people, and I hate this kind of fan thinking. I think it's so silly. 
but you would find at least a couple people who would say, well, I'm glad they lost because yeah, if they would have gone and played Florida State, they would have gotten their butt kicked in the national championship game, and that would have been worse. You always want to be four quarters away. And it's like, are you drunk? Like, what are you doing? Why are you even a fan if you're glad you lost so you could avoid the worst loss that you think was coming in the next game if you had played there? Just give up and do something else with your life. Don't be a fan anymore. Gingerbread houses are fun. So, um, I, but I do think... That was not. There was less of like. It was oh, a in this buildup, you got to understand the buildup. You know, the buildup from this because there was proof that it was a reasonable thing. They already did it. They're returning a team. They that did was, it. and They were better this year. They were supposed to be better than the team because you know we've written about this. We've talked about it a hundred times. This was the year that they were building for, and they were worse than the team that was young and young, dumb, and you know on its third quarterback. You know, who was the highest they got ranked in twenty thirteen? I mean, they were. For a while, they? they were. Um, they were one number they two, lost, weren't they? What's the high? I don't. Weren't they one when they lost in the Big Ten championship? No, Florida State was still number oh, one. Oh, Florida State, yeah, okay. But they were. That was the whole thing of they barely beat Michigan. Right. They were number three. They barely beat Michigan and held on. And then the pick six, the kick six it's game six. with Auburn and Alabama, put them in knocked there. Alabama out of the number two slot. Which meant Ohio State win and in, but like the regret, like you won't. There wasn't the regret because they like the, there was no expectation that they'd be in that place to begin with. Yeah, and then that, we, well, no, and there wasn't an expectation was like oh, if there wasn't the expectation of like it's national championship or bust. If if they get there, they're in. And and if think, they get there, they're going to win it. And I think that right now, like Doug said, the dumb thinking of well, thank God Ohio State didn't play Florida State because they would have gotten their butts kicked. I don't think Ohio State fans this year think they would lose to Alabama. Like, the teams that would be standing in the way of Ohio State's chances to get to I don't think that Ohio State fans feel that their team is inferior to the four that are still standing. Everybody thinks Oklahoma's going to win the national championship. I think Ohio State would say, bring on Oklahoma. And they're going to bring on Oklahoma in week three next year in Norman. That's going to be great. But that is not an unbeatable Oklahoma team. Oklahoma's not going to have six people picked in the first round of the draft. No, their whole team's actually But, like, people didn't look back in 2013 and say, we really missed an opportunity to do something here. That was We were exposed. Right. Like, everyone thought, and I remember going into that Michigan State game in the Big Ten Championship, I felt like everyone thought, well, of course Ohio State's going to beat Michigan State. So I think people were very surprised that Ohio State didn't win that game. I think people underestimated how good Michigan State was then. Um, But... Yes, that was not that was not an all-in. This is a national title team all year. We're aiming toward that kind of thing. Um, but I do think you know we're we're looking backward a lot, and I just feel like you know the story has been written about this Ohio State team, and I'm not trying to like turn people away from the Fiesta Bowl because we're spending a boatload of money to send the three of us to Arizona for a week. But a lot of what we're focusing on. I feel like there is a there is a wrap up. This senior class, this time in Ohio State history deserves a wrap up. Win or lose, um, when you think about the seniors like Taylor Decker and Joshua Perry who are going to be heading out, when you think about the junior talent that's going to be gone like Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott and Cardale Jones, and then a whole list of guys who could leave like Von Bell and Darren Lee. Certainly, Michael Thomas is going to leave. Um, Pat Elfline could go. I mean, it's just the I, list goes on and on. I just looked at the 1998 roster, and it is insane. 
Sorry. <clears throat> Go ahead. Just give us because like it's just like it's like I just start trying to draw the line between most regret Ohio State's had, and I think that's relevant. Yeah. And when you look at Ohio State that year, and you look at them this year, I find it's very similar. Um, Steve Valsari, LaCharles Bentley, David Boston, Nate Clemens, Niall Diggs, Joe Germain, Reggie Germany, Andy Katzenmoyer, D. Miller, Ryan Pickett, Kenyon Rambo, Jonathan Wells, Michael Wiley, and Antoine Winfield. And like there's like five or six Pro Bowlers in there, right? Or four Pro Bowlers? Yeah. I mean, that's talent. I don't even know if that's as talented as like the 95 team. Yeah, maybe 95 was more talented. Eddie George and the receivers and yeah, like Pace was there, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But that's good. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that was that was the Cooper era. That was repeated first round draft picks who never won a national championship. Usually not because they lost to Michigan State, but because they lost to Michigan. That's the irony of that season as well. That, as you pointed out, Ari, that's one of John Cooper's two wins over Michigan. But the season had already been spoiled by the loss to Michigan State. You know, like. Yeah. You go two ten and one against Michigan in your career, and one of the two times when you have that talent and a shot at a national title, Nick Saban and Michigan State is the one that ruins. In ninety five, I'm looking at because I was confused for a second. Ninety five is the most talented team in the history of Ohio State football. That's Terry Glenn and Orlando Pace and Eddie George, uh, right? And Luke Fickle. Um, yeah, that's the the Pace George. Um, Ty Howard was on that team. Sean Springs or no? Sean Sean Springs was on the team. Yeah. Um, Mike Vrabel was on the team, and Antoine Winfield was on that team. You know, Orlando Pace and Patty Pearson and Damon Moore. Um, Terry Glenn. Did I say Terry Glenn? Matt Finkus. Uh, and Ricky Dudley was on that team. Yeah. Well, here... So, it, it, yeah. I think... And the punter, Brent Bartholomew. And the, the, the probably the most... Now, you know, I didn't cover that team, but the probably the most talented team that... I had covered in, until this year, or until, you know, sort of last year, this year, was the 05 team that did not win a national championship, but then had five players off that roster selected in the first round of the draft the next year. Um, and it's funny, I don't feel like people look at that 05 team and have, are, are, aren't filled with regret immediately because they played the Vince Young national champion Texas team down to the wire in Ohio Stadium and then lost to a very good Penn State team. Yeah, when they lost again, that was probably the regret. But they wouldn't have gotten in regardless because that was the year that the national championship game was undefeated USC and undefeated Texas Yeah, in what was maybe the greatest national championship matchup we've but seen. But lose multiple yeah. times in a season, I think the regret goes away because there's such thing as, oh, we lost a fluke game where the play calling was bad and it was raining. And we right. lost by three in the last second. And if you lose twice, if you're susceptible to losing twice, then maybe you're not. As but their losses, their losses that year, Penn State was number three at the end of that year. Yeah, the article. And, and so the final rankings were number one, Texas, number two, USC, number three, Penn State, number four, Ohio State, with two losses. And their two losses were number one and number three. So that's like the team, like, when, and I think I looked back last year when the, you know, the playoff started. It's like, let's look at the number four teams that had a shot. If they would have been given a shot, I mean that Penn's, that Ohio State team with that had lost to number one and number yeah. three, give them another shot in the playoff in a fourteen playoff. Well, it's like who knows what would have happened. Like what you yeah. wrote, it's like the number fourteen won the first playoff. How many times did the number fourteen have won the playoff 
for the last 50 years. Right. I, I mean, the, that it's the first team is probably the best Ohio State example of right. a team that wouldn't have ever made it that could have won it all. I mean, a number because four team. We're talking about how this team was a year early by winning it last year. But again, last year was the first time in the history of college football that they ever would have won it. Because they were number four, and never ever before could a number four team ever have had a chance to be a national champion. And like '05 was a year early to some extent. Now they lost a lot of. They lost. And a that's lot what of we'll get into. I don't know if it was or not. It was that was a strange time. The quarterback was a was a freshman, right? Or a, no, no, it was his first you're year losing as a starter. it. You're losing it. Yeah, he was a junior. Oh, he was I mean, a Troy junior. won the Troy Smith won the Heisman in 2006 as a senior. '05. He played half the year in 04, 05. He was the starter the whole year, basically, but he was suspended for the first game. All right, let's not do this. Let's not yeah. play Ari misremembers Ohio State seasons from when he was in, when he was in middle school. Um, wait, was that the, No, we're not doing that. Um, but we're going to talk about sort of um, what matters as we gear... Are we really at... Thir- oh, it's only 24 minutes. 24. As we gear back to this Fiesta Bowl... The story of this team has been written, and I don't think win or lose changes it. So again, these guys aren't going to play that much, but for the guys who are going to be back with JT Barrett at the top of that list, the bowl game is always the end of one year while simultaneously serving as the beginning of the next year. So I do believe in off-season momentum. I do believe in an up note, a good feeling in the off-season, you know, that you go into winter workouts off of victory thinking optimistically rather than being down. Again, even though you know Ohio State lost its last two games in 2013 and then came back and won the national championship in 2014. So it's not, it's not the number one most important thing. But I don't think it's meaningless. You know? And I do yeah. think it's a farewell to guys who deserve a farewell and deserve to be remembered as a game-changing, elite, great group of seniors, great team, great era in a at a program that has been filled with great eras and this is as this is as good as any of them you know so they deserve that but but next year matters and it starts mattering right now i just don't know like what is what are guys like malik hooker like what does malik hooker get out of the actual festival is it nothing and it's all about the lead up and then afterwards okay so i think it's bowl practice which we always yeah. talk about the young guys get a shot in bowl practice. We talk about it every year. It's like a second training camp. There's that. But I do think there is a there's a, there's a whatever cliche you want to use. There's a light that goes on when it's like, holy moly, it's really real now. It's here. I'm about to be in a position that matters after sitting on the bench. So we what he gets out of it is the most realistic in part because the practices showed him that you know and urban meyer was saying they do five reps with the ones five reps with the twos and 15 reps with the threes yeah to tell these guys you're next it's the most realistic time now he's not going to play in the game but it's going to be at the start of the change where malik hooker doesn't just think of like oh yeah vaughn and ty this play he's going to start thinking about wow this is the last time Von Bell is going to play for Ohio State. Now, he hasn't declared, but I'm assuming Von Bell's going. And I think that change begins. And if he can take the trip seriously, if he can, for the first time in his career, 
really begin imagining himself in that role. And if he can take in that game that ends on a positive note and think about how I'm going to be in that. The next time I'm on a field for a game, I'm going to be in that role. I'm not just going to be where I am now watching. And if he can have a good vibe and a good feeling going into that, it's, I think it's an emotional thing. I think it's a mental thing. I think it's a program thing. Malik Hooker is not going to make any tackles in the Fiesta Bowl. But I think there's like a passing of the torch, and the passing goes a little bit better with a win and a good performance and a high note than with letting the balloon out of the season at the end. So, I mean, you guys, I was not on the beat, like you said, in, in 2013, but you guys both were in the locker room after they lost the Orange Bowl. And I know this, the change from this year to next year is sort of a more dramatic change than it was from 2013 to 2014, at least it seems that way. But when you were in that locker room in Miami and doing the thing that we do where we talk to the guys that you can't talk to all year and now they're available in the locker room, did you get that sense from guys who you talked to in that room who weren't a big part of that Orange Bowl game? but we're going to be a big part of the next season, that that was a thing for them, even though they didn't play and Ohio State lost the Orange Bowl? That's all we did. Like, did everybody talk to Von Bell after that game? Now, Von Bell was a little bit different because he, he actually played. That was his first start, I think, ever, was the Orange Bowl. And he had a pick. I remember talking. Didn't he? He had the pick on the goal line. Yeah. Taj Boyd that kept Ohio State in the game in the first half. That, that, that was like, and again, Malik Hooker's not going to be in that spot. Right. But you took the parrot. And JT Barrett, it was like, I mean, that was at a time when we thought maybe J- Braxton Miller was going pro. We didn't know that he was going to have the kind of injury that was going to keep him out there. Yeah. But it was like, okay, dude. And I, I did feel, I would say my view of the Orange Bowl, even in defeat, was, you know what? Clemson's got some players. We played them down to the end. And this program's headed in the right direction. Yeah, and it, I'm ready to take not, my spot. It was not doom and gloom in there. At all, in my opinion. Like, there were some guys who were like, like anything, when it hits you, your career's over. You know, I think that yeah. there was some of that. But like, I talked to like Jamal Marcus, and guy. That's like, the yeah. guy. You and I both talked to Jamal Marcus. Yeah. I was trying to think. I was just get Tyquan Lewis and Jamal Marcus confused. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Jamal Marcus, you're because who were they losing that year on the defensive line? I have a bad memory, haven't we? I can't remember <laughs> at all. I can't remember a single player from the 2013 Dexter team Lattimore, now. Yeah. <laughs> um. But it was like, oh, Jamal Marcus had a good game that game. Was somebody hurt? And Jamal Marcus played. Jamal Marcus it might played. Have been 1975. Jamal Marcus played more in that game than he had played, and we talked to him afterward. It was like, okay, here we go. And then Jamal Marcus left. What happened to Jamal Marcus? Ari Wasserman. I just googled Ari Wasserman and Jamal Marcus. Ohio State's defensive line. Looks oh, Noah Spence real oh, that was Noah the beginning Spence. of the Noah Spence yeah. yes. gobbledygook. You are boop. quicker with the Google than you are. <laughs> yeah. Noah Spence didn't play. Jamal Marcus played. But then what happened to Jamal Marcus? He transferred. He, I like reading weird things that I wrote that I don't remember writing. So if this was him in the, in the Fiesta Bowl locker room. I know. You and I both talked to him. <laughs> and like we were like upset. We were like, who'd you get after the game? Oh, Jamal Marcus. I got Jamal Marcus. All right, let's combine the video. There was something else, too, because I'm the one who wrote about Von Bell. I remember writing about Von Bell after that game, too. So you had to have talked to other people. I, I talked to Marcus Hall about his bird against Michigan. I talked to, to Jess Green, I think. <laughs> But yeah, you talk to all the guys who were next. You talk to all the guys who were next. And so I'm trying to think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like let's say Michael, Hill, you know, 
Adolphus Washington is suspended, and we found out from Urban Meyer that Tommy Shutt has a foot injury that may limit him. Those are the two starting guys on the interior of the defensive line. So Michael Hill is probably going to play more than he's played in his whole career. If Michael Hill has six tackles and one and a half tackles for loss, Michael Hill is going to take some really good vibes into the offseason, and that may have some influence on what kind of player Michael Hill is next year as he's trying to become the four-star recruit who we thought was going to maybe be a really good player who hasn't done much yet. So, again, Malik Hooker, who's not going to play that type of guy, maybe not quite as much. But, um, but, but for a couple guys, guys, it'll be yeah. very tangible. If Jalen Marshall stays and Jalen Marshall has a big game and gets a reminder of, like, hey, Jalen Marshall, when Michael Thomas what? is gone next year, you might have 70 catches, that'll matter. What if Urban Meyer just fields the team that's playing next year? Just throws them out there. Just be like, all right, uh, Torrance, Weber. get in there. Mike Weber's, <laughs> Mike Weber's the starter. Yeah. Like, and, just, and then it, it was like, just like, and Joey Bose is like, I'm ready to go in. And he's like, yeah, we're not, we're done with you. And it's just like, <laughs> like you just feel the team. That's we're gonna, playing Sean Cornell. You feel the team that's going to play next year, and you give them their first non-conference chance against a good team. And you say, you guys had your chance, and you blow it! But like, oh, talk about like an off-season preparation there. They could analyze game tape of their team. Ruthless! <laughs> Ruthless! It'd be like Joshua Perry. You've done so much for this program. You've been a three-year starter. Dante Booker is starting today. <laughs> and it's also like would also occur in the game that allows them to be the record holders for most wins. Yeah. And it's like, sorry, you don't. Do with it. <laughs> well, would they still get the record? They're on the team. Yeah. They still get the yeah, record. They still get it. Yeah. They yeah. They the... still get it. But <laughs> would you imagine like if JT Barrett to Jalen Marshall? was the leading connection, and Mike Weber rushed for 171 yards and it went over Notre Dame on January 1st, that would be the most relevant bowl game that's not in a playoff game I can think of. Or can you imagine if, like, they didn't play Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa and they lost, like, 52-3 to and Mike yeah. Weber had, like, 11 carries for four yards? <laughs> and they were like, why didn't you play Ezekiel Elliott? And he's like, he's dead to me. He's Urban, leaving. Urban yeah. Meyer's like, well, this is the only way that we're worried about next year, right? It's yeah. forward thinking. You yeah. guys heard about how next year is more important, so deal with it. <laughs> but, but you do, uh, you know, you do, get a, you do get a peak, you know? And, um, you know, it's, it's it, and you'll see... We're going to have some stuff again about 2005 and 2015 and what that led to in 2006 and what it could lead to in 2016. But, you know, that, again, that 2005 team lost three starting linebackers, two of them who were first round draft picks, one was a third round pick. And they came back the next year and they put out James Laurinaitis, Marcus Freeman, and Ross Homan, and it was fine. You know, so it's funny. Um, like, Bill, you just said you think this is, you know, whether Ohio State's number four in the preseason next year, whether they're number eight, you know. Yeah. You know, I wonder where they're going to be in the preseason because yeah, they are like, going to, like, could they be number 18 yeah, when next you year? Yeah, top 10, like, it was nothing. Like, I'm, not sure like, I'm not sure, but it's like, I, I feel like, and we already wrote this again, this is what we do. We write things before everybody else writes them, and so, like, it's like, oh, let's talk about the 2016 depth chart. It's like, we did that story Illinois week. So you can go back and find it. Um, we've already done everything about how this is going to happen, and but we should we we'll revisit it. If you look at the 2016 expected depth chart, what does that look like to people? Does that look like a national championship contender, or does that look like a rebuilding year? To us, it looks like a rebuilding year. To people who vote, and we can talk for hours about how flawed the voting hey, is in the polls. 
Especially with the guy that... Urban Meyer has a built-in benefit of a doubt that he's recruited the right guy, so even though he's losing a ton of talent, his team is still going to be good. It's like because at the beginning of last year, Von Bell was those guys. No, he wasn't. Von Bell is a playmaker. Yeah, makes plays. That was a really bad example. (laughs) By the way, you should have heard him talking about himself today. It was fantastic. We're going to miss Von Bell. Yeah. And we sort of joke around about Von Bell. I think we have a lot of respect for Von Bell as a player on the field and as a guy who walks the walk and then talks the talk and is just the best. You know what I like Von Bell? I like Von Bell because, like, when you ask Von, like, after games. Like, if I were to ask Mom Bell a dumb question, like, Von, how do you think you played today? How do you think I played today? <laughs> and just throw it right back at you because yeah. he knows it's a dumb question and he's not going to give you your soundbite because you're Von Bell question. from today. <laughs> Again, we are recording this on uh, yeah. uh, Thursday, this the. Thursday, the. What date is December it? December 17th. 17th. Two days Do you keep birthday. track of the past, Von Bell? I do. <laughs> Me and Mike Doss have a little saying. And I tell him I think I'm the best safety to ever come out of this place. This is my little comment to him, so I guess I do look back at it. Why do you think you are, Von Bell? Because I do it all. I said to Mike Doss, have you ever had a pick six? I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was the beginning of an awesome Von Bell. I'm not going it's to, just, it's just cool. We predicted that Von Bell would have seven interceptions this year. He had two, I think, yeah, right? We were yeah. under. But... He but, predicted he'd have more than seven. <laughs> yeah. I asked Von Bell what the over-under was and at seven, and he said, over. <laughs> <laughs> but in, uh, he's still a playmaker, even if he didn't have the interception. So, uh, the, um, okay, but Bill, but Bill Landis, when you look at it, I mean, do you think that a defense led by Dante Booker and Chris Worley and Malik Hooker and Damon Webb and Michael Hill and Jay Sean Cornell and Sam Hubbard. Can that defense win a national title? Can an offense with Mike Weber and Curtis Samuel and Jalen Marshall and KJ Hill and Torrance Gibson and Jamarco Jones at left tackle, can that team win a national title? Or are we looking more in your mind as we sit here in December of the year before? Are you looking at that and thinking that's more like a 10 and 2, 9 and 3 team? I think it's more like a ten and two, nine and three team, especially when you look at like. I mean, it's so tough. To, I mean, for all I know, yeah, they could be a championship defense because these guys could be really good and live up to their four and five star billings and be awesome the second they're thrown on the field. But I think that's wishful thinking, and everyone's going to have growing pains. And you're looking at a, a college football landscape where like the, two of the teams in the college football playoff, Clemson and Oklahoma, are bringing a ton of guys back. Two of the top three Heisman Trophy guys are coming back. A lot of teams are going to have talent that's known talent. Ohio State's talent is unknown talent at this point. So I think, yeah, it's more like a 9-3 and three would be kind of severe, I think. I think it's a pretty pretty steep drop-off for the, the standard that's been set here. But 10-2, and two, I think, is, is in the cards for a team full of young, unknown guys who are playing football for the first time. And that is playing Oklahoma in the non-conference. Has a really tough schedule, yeah. That is adding Wisconsin to the Big Ten schedule, adding Northwestern to the Big Ten schedule. Um, Nebraska, Nebraska to the Big Ten schedule. Those are the three crossover games next year in a world where they will play only three non-conference games and nine Big Ten games, which means six against everybody in the East and then three against the West. Um, and by comparison, their games against the West this year were Illinois and a bad Minnesota team. Um, Michigan State's not going away. They're going to lose a lot of guys, but they're not going away. Michigan... In year two of Harbaugh, 
Um, we'll only probably have it together a little bit more. They, I think, marched 44 guys out there on senior day, some of whom will be back as fifth-year seniors, but they're going to have a lot of turnover too. Um, Penn State might be better. If they get the, a quarterback that fits the system, maybe better than Christian Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be a more difficult world. I think it might, for Ohio State in some ways, might be better that you're not going to skate through 10 games. You're going to find out about yourself earlier on. Um, and I think, you know, not to delve it, not to delve into the heart of the 2016 schedule as we prepare for the Fiesta Bowl, but like I think there's a world out there where you go to Oklahoma, lose, get your stuff together, and if you really get your stuff together and win the Big Ten, Oklahoma might be number one at the end of the year, and you have a road loss to Oklahoma, you might be number three. You know, like that's out there, I think, for them. Yeah, and, but, and maybe yeah. they're going to be tested earlier and find out about themselves. And that might be a very good thing for a young team after a veteran team skated through a 10-0 start this year. I, I kind yeah. of think that like this 2016 season is going to be a lot like last year. Now I think that obviously Oklahoma creates a bigger challenge than Virginia Tech did a year ago. But it's going to be a young team um, that's going to be going through a, a moderately tough schedule, I guess. This one's probably a lot tougher, but by the end of the year they might Go in. You go into expecting the team like you guys said, nine and three or ten and two. But if they get to ten and two, and they are not a year early, then the following year they're going to be a national. They're going to be a top three team. So I kind of feel like next year's a foundational rebuild, not in a rebuild sense that you would expect other from another program. Rebuilding implies six and six. I think rebuilding at Ohio State is nine and three, and I think that that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. You know, you could lose. To Oklahoma, then a few weeks later, go to Camp Randall and lose a close game, and then lose your bowl game. <laughs> I like that our I like that our Fiesta Bowl discussion has turned into Will Ohio State go nine and three in 2016? No, it, it is. Are they going the to be legitimate? Because even like Bowling Green, respectable MAC team on par with a Northern Illinois and a Western Michigan, who gave this year's team trouble. I don't know anything about Tulsa other than their offense was good enough that the AD and head coach of Texas flew there to steal their offensive coordinator, and they have and a blue field, and they have a blue field. And then, and then Oklahoma, and then a Big Ten schedule with road games at Wisconsin, at Penn State, at Michigan State. Right. At Maryland, come on. Yeah. But, I mean, when you look at that schedule, that schedule includes Ohio State played two ranked teams this year, mm-hmm. Michigan State and Michigan. The schedule you're looking at right now adds three ranked teams that they didn't play this year, like pretty highly ranked. One Oklahoma's in the playoff. Northwestern's like number 13. Yeah. Or sixteen, something like that, and Wisconsin's went nine and three. So yeah. I mean, like that's that's a that is a lot more difficult schedule. If you, again, if you assume that all the teams would be just what do what they did this year, that is so much more difficult than this year's schedule. It's not even in the same stratosphere. I think the headline should be: Will Ohio State win the national championship in two thousand seventeen? <laughs> How twenty sixteen sets Ohio State up for okay, okay, so so Bill then. Is all this just fake? Does anything matter about this game at all? If if I think we agree that the most important thing about this right now is what it tells us for 2016, right? And how it may influence that. Does it tell us anything? Does it influence anything? Or is this a little week-long vacation and then we'll be on to the next thing? I think there are, I mean, for this mass exodus that we've been talking about forever and now people are catching up on... <laughs> There are guys on this team who are still going to be important for next year. Look at the quarterback, case of point number one. Um, so I think you look at those guys like JT Barrett, um, the guys who are on the fence about leaving who we don't know yet. You look at those guys, you look at how they play in this game. 
I think that's very important, um, not only to set an example for the younger guys who are going to be coming in the new roles next year, but if there's any sort of momentum I think to be carried over, it's that a guy like JT Barrett can say, I had six touchdowns against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. I'm the best quarterback in the country. Let's get 2016 rolling. You know, that's the one thing that I think is interesting that's on the table for next year is like, remember last year in 2014 when Ohio State's quarterback play was awesome? Remember that? Yeah. Remember in 2015 when their quarterback play was like schizophrenic? And erratic, and you couldn't figure out whether it was going to help them or hurt them, and they sort of managed to be good anyway. What if their quarterback in 2016 is awesome? Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, remember JT Barrett? He's awesome. That changes everything. Like, if you would look right now, as Ari Wasserman stares me down for some reason, I can't feel if he's falling asleep. I'm falling asleep. Or if you said, Urban Meyer always talks nine units strong. Are we really at 43 minutes? We yeah, cannot yeah. go short. We'd love... No wonder only 400 people listen to us. Yeah. We just babble. Listen, man, M-Live gets to 55 minutes. Is it good? Have you listened to it? Is it Great. good? There's, a, there's Nick Baumgartner and a fantastic Philadelphia accent in that podcast. I don't know what else you want. How Philadelphia is your accent? Mine has dissipated greatly because I haven't lived in Philadelphia in a long time. I didn't go to school in Philadelphia, so it sort of went away. And then I've lived in Ohio for three years, so now it's... I think maybe you need to bring that back a little stronger. Here's what's going to happen, though. Like, I'm going to go to Philadelphia for the holidays, and I'm going to be in Phoenix after being in Philadelphia for, like, six days. And you'll notice some stuff coming back. All right, we'll do a podcast in Phoenix yeah. with Philly Bill. In the pool. Philly Billy. Get prepared for me to say water instead of water. I got a story about that to tell you then sometime. Um, I'll tell it now. I had a friend... <laughs> I had a friend... Who was a sports writer with me when I worked in Wilmington, Delaware, which is a, basically a suburb of Philadelphia. So it's, he's all the same accent. Yeah. And he grew up in, in there in, in, in Delaware. Um, and he was talking one time with me about, I said, like, did you play high school football? And he said, no, I was a water boy. <laughs> and I said, like, the water boy? Like, I thought, like, he was, like, the, like W-O-O-D-E-R, like, yeah. the water. Like, I imagine that he had, like, a little wooden thing that they stuck, like, in the cleats to, like, keep the cleats <laughs> formed or whatever. He was like, no, the water boy. Like, when you're thirsty and you get water, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> your accent. I cannot have a conversation with yeah. you and say, you can't say the word water. It's pretty atrocious. It's, I mean, what other words? Oh, like instead of like, like in the South they say y'all, and like you might say you all. In Philadelphia they say yous. Yeah, like yous guys. <laughs> it's, That's pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I think if you drop some more yous guys, next to time yeah. we do the podcast, you'll do the intro. And you just call me an R.A. Use guys. Say, thank what you, do you guys think? Thank you guys for listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, I was asking R.A. a question. I can't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? You're falling asleep. That is about 58 minutes too long into this thing already. So. All right, we're out. We'll see you in Phoenix. <laughs> Later, bro. Hey, it's Ari. It's Bill. I'm Doug Maurice. We're the Cleveland.com coverage team uh, for Ohio State football. Find us at Cleveland.com slash OSU. Next time we talk to you, we will be in a hot tub. At Ari's house. At Ari's house. That'd be awesome, guys. You're welcome. Happy holidays.